Grace and peace belong to you from God our Father through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Sermon text for today is, is uh, recorded for us in 2 Peter chapter 1. We hear verses 19 through 21. Please rise as we hear these words in Jesus' name. We also have the completely reliable prophetic word, and you do well to pay attention to it, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Since we know this above all else, no prophecy of Scripture comes about from someone's own interpretation. In fact, no prophecy ever came by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. And we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your holy word. By it, we know that we are your people, forgiven of our sins, future residents of heaven. O Lord, keep and preserve us in your word always. Amen. Please be seated. I'm king of the playground, shouts out the schoolyard bully. Oh yeah? Says who? Asks anyone who's, who's brave enough to stand up against him. Or maybe you, you park your car and someone comes running up to you and says, you can't park your car here. Says who? Why can't I park my car here? No red curb, no sign. Why can't I park here? Or maybe there's two rival sports fans. One declares, the Vikings are better than the Packers. Oh yeah, says who? You? Ha, says, uh, is the reply that comes from his friend. It's a simple two-word question, and yet it's important, isn't it? Isn't it powerful? Says who? What gives you the right? By whose authority are you saying these things? Who determines the rules? Who's calling the shots? It's an especially vital and important question for us to consider as we, as we think about our beliefs, as we think about our worldview, as we make decisions in our lives. This is an important question that we need to keep in mind. What is it that directs us? By whose authority are we functioning? Who do we go along with? Says who? Who do we bow our knees and our hearts to? Whose authority will we submit to? This was really a question that was at the heart of the Reformation. As we're observing this Reformation Day, it was an important question that Martin Luther began to ask. It really kicked off the Reformation. Who exactly is calling the shots? Why are we believing the things that we believe? Why do we base ourselves and our lives Upon these things, who are we listening to? Are we listening to the waffling ideas of sinful men and their opinions? Or is there something more solid? Is there something firmer? Is there something else that we anchor ourselves to? Yesterday, I shared a a clip on Facebook. If you haven't seen it, go on this afternoon and watch this little clip. It's from the classic black and white film, Martin Luther from 1953, and there's this this clip in this movie where Luther is facing off in a debate against the Roman Catholic theologian John Eck, and they're debating things, and John Eck starts 
start saying, why do you believe these things? All of these different church fathers, all of these guys would disagree with you, Luther. Meanwhile, Luther says in response, yeah, well, my authority disagrees with all of them. And who exactly is that authority, demands Eck. Calmly, Luther replies, St. Paul, for no other foundation can man lay than that which is laid, Jesus Christ. Luther pointed to the Bible. He pointed to the scriptures, and he said, this is my authority. The clear word of God gives us the answer, not all of these other random people. And dear friends, this continues to be our answer to that question, that question of, of says who? We hold to this Reformation principle of sola scriptura. God himself says it. The clear word of God speaks to us and for us. Says who? Wasn't it in fact a, a wrong answer to that very question that plunged the entire world into sin? The question of of says who? Did God really say? That's what Satan, in the form of the servant, serpent, asked Eve. And Adam and Eve, they, they, of course, we know, they chose to give up on God's authority. Instead, they put their trust in the wrong place. They gave up what God had said for their own desires. They bought the lie that Satan had presented before them. And we know what came from all of that. This temptation that Satan presented before Eve in the garden, that question of says who, it continues to be a temptation and a question that, that he presents before you and me still today. It's a question that people struggle with. It's a question that we really need to have the right answer to. Think about our young people. Think about people as, as they're facing all of this pressure from the world around them to give up on, on what the Bible says. Think of junior high and high school and college-age kids and all that they're being bombarded with in our culture and society. Or, or you, in your secular job when you're out there, maybe you're being pressured to let go of, of these things that God has said. You're looked at as being weird because you believe these things and you act in this certain way. Maybe you have coworkers or friends, family members, neighbors who challenge you, who mock you, who ridicule you because you're not like everyone else out there. The devil is tempting you and me in so many different ways, in so many different places, to set aside what God has said. He wants us to follow after things that God has not said. He wants us to follow after our own desires instead. Christians throughout time, from Old Testament believers to Christians in, in the early Christian church right up through the days of the Reformation up to right now, we have continually been bombarded with temptations such as these to let go of what God has said and to go and follow after some other authority. And sadly, you and I, we know many people who have, have become casualties of this temptation. You and I know of the own times in our own lives when we have been casualties of this temptation. Are we rightly prepared to answer this question when it comes up before us? This question of says who? Are we ready to say, God says? 
He says it in his clear word. And the scriptures are, are clear. And that's what I cling to. Even if I have to stand in opposition to everyone else. Is this the answer that you are ready to give? When it comes to this principle of sola scriptura, of scripture alone, we who hold on to it are really, honestly, in a small minority. I have Roman Catholic friends. They, of course, hold scripture in, in high regard. And yet, at the same time, they still rely upon, upon the church fathers and the authority of the pope to tell them what they are to believe in the scriptures. And they even make additions to what it says in the scriptures. In other churches, other churches that have come out of the Reformation, these other churches at times allow their own human reasoning, their own human wisdom, or sometimes their own human emotions and feelings to get in the way to change the clear, simple words of Scripture, of what the Bible has to say to us. Even churches that we were once in step with not that long ago, some of these churches now treat God's Word as if it's full of mistakes, as if it's full of errors. Yeah, they're well-meaning stories, but we have to demythologize these things. All of those supernatural things, the flood, creation, that couldn't have happened. No, we need to really dig in and get to the moral of the story, or so they say. But again, when this is happening, we're not listening to the clear word of God given to us in Scripture. Many people have fallen into thinking that the scriptures are not clear or that they're not right. They're actually thinking that, that God's word is, is, is wrong. And when they begin to believe those things, when we fall into this trap, when we let go of respecting the authority of, of what God has told us in his word, well, then we come up with all sorts of wacky, alternative moralities and teachings. Ultimately, it removes Christ and the salvation that he gives to us altogether. Says who? How do we answer this question? Do we say, oh, well, the people have spoken, so I guess I'll go along with what everyone says about the Scripture? Or are we going to say, no, God has spoken clearly in his word, and that's what I'm going to go with? Dear friends, there's nothing more important for us in this, that we come to a place and that we have a church where the clear word of God is spoken to us, where the teachings and beliefs that we have are based upon the word of God given in the scriptures. This should be for us the number one most important reason why we attend a certain church. Let's hope it's why you attend our church and our sister congregations and our synod. It's because you know that the clear, pure word of God is taught, proclaimed, and shared in that church. A few years ago, there was a Pew Research poll that was taken among Christians as to why they chose to attend a certain church. And sadly, this very point that we are saying is so important, it was very low on the list. So many other things came before the pure teaching of God's word. Listed above it were entertaining sermons, or how welcoming a church felt, or, or the style of the worship service, or, or the easy location, or the great charming personality of the pastor. I think that this poll shows us how, how easy it is for us 
to get caught up in things of lesser importance and to downplay how important it is for us to have before us always, to cling on to the completely reliable prophetic word. That is our fountain and source. That is serving us as a lamp shining in a dark place. You and I, dear friends, we are so incredibly blessed that we have this message found, given to us in the scriptures. It's amazing how simple it is, how God has made it so easy for us. He's given us his word. And these are not the words of just some random men or some people who have interpreted it before. What you and I have here in this book, in the Bible, in the Holy Scriptures, is God's own plain, simple, clear word placed before us. And it's given to us, and he tells us in his book that he is the one who is behind it. It's the Holy Spirit who has brought this message to us. And that's really important for us to understand because it gives us confidence in this book. It means that in Scripture we find no mistakes, there are no errors, there are no contradictions. What you and I have, what we rely upon, what leads us, what creates and strengthens faith in our hearts is a message that comes from God himself. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, he was at work through men, through apostles and prophets and evangelists, but it was the Holy Spirit who was at work in the minds and in the muscles and through the pens of those who were writing down God's word. And because God is behind it, this, this old book that we have, the Holy Scriptures, this message, it has the power of God in it. How incredible is that? This past week, I had the privilege of going and doing chapel out at, at MVL, Minnesota Valley Lutheran High School. And this was the very thing that we were talking about in chapel. We were talking about Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes it. This word that you and I hold on to, that we hear proclaimed and shared in this place, that we fully commit ourselves to, that we anchor ourselves to as Christians, it is powerful. It has power over sin, over death, over hell, over the devil himself. And God is the one who's behind this power. He's put his power into his word, and he puts it to work. It is his power. Luther emphasized the power in his word in a famous quote. He was asked, how is it that, that you did all this, brought about these great changes in our world and changes of the Reformation has brought? And Luther said, oh, I did nothing while I slept, while I drank Wittenberg beer with my friends, it was the word that was changing things. I did nothing. The word did everything. Again, God makes it so easy for us, doesn't he? This is his word. It's his power behind it. It's so, so simple, so clear, so powerful that even... Small children can comprehend it and understand it and even powerfully proclaim it. It's so simple and yet at the same time it's so powerful that, that it can be translated into different foreign languages. It can be understood, comprehended, grasped, appreciated by people all over the world. 
This word is so simple and yet also so powerful that even the hearts of hardened criminals can change and come to have humility and and faith in Christ. Even hardened criminals who rightly consider themselves to be chief of sinners. What is it that brings about such things? Where is the power? It's found here. God attaches that amazing power to this message found in his word. He has promised that he's going to work through his plain, simple, clear word. God gives us this word that, that we need And it speaks to you and me especially of the salvation that God has planned for you and me. That's the best part of God's word, the hope and the comfort that it gives to you and me sinners. It tells us about how God the Son was willing to step off of his throne to come into this world to take on human flesh and blood to be our brother. John would talk about how the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This word of Christ, our Savior. We hear throughout the word, the message pointing to Jesus, to our Savior Jesus, who who lived a holy, perfect life for us. He experienced and endured hardships and struggles throughout his life. We're told that he was tempted in every way as we are, and yet never once did he fall into sin. Never once did he listen to any other authority than the authority of God. Never once did he question what God had said. And in doing so, our Savior Jesus, he earned righteousness. Righteousness that he now covers us in when we put our hope, our trust in him. The clear word that we found in this book also points us to the cross where our Savior Jesus was willing to go, to suffer, to die, to pay for all sins. Every single sin ever committed, including every single one of your sins and mine. Every time where we have have given in to the pressure and we have let go of the authority of God, those sins have been paid for by our Savior, Jesus. We return to God and we admit, "I I have fallen short, Lord. There have been times where I have failed to listen to you and to what you want me to do. And once again, God's clear word speaks to you and me. To the repentant heart, God speaks the word of absolution. He says, be of good cheer, your sins completely forgiven. This clear word that you and I have also proclaims to us that Jesus was victorious over death. He's risen from the dead. And so too will all who put their faith and their trust in him. The plain, clear message of God's word is that we will share in Jesus' resurrection and the glories that await Jesus and his followers in heaven. They belong to you and me. Thank God for this precious, simple, clear, powerful word that you and I have. What a precious treasure. So that you and I can now say, says who? Who says that I, a a guilty sinner, I'm freely forgiven and I'm given what I don't deserve. I have God's grace. I have his forgiveness. I have a spot waiting for me in the glories of heaven. Who says? God says. He says it clearly and powerfully over you in his word. That's why we love to hear the scriptures. That's why we come to this place to hear it preached. That's why we have devotions at home. It's why we open his word and read it, study it, inwardly digest it. It's why we rejoice that the the word has been connected to something as simple as water and it's been poured over us in holy baptism. 
That word has been applied to you and to me and God's promise that we belong to him. We are his own children. That word is spoken here in this place also over the bread and the wine. And we're told that Jesus' own body and blood are there present and we get to eat it and drink it for the forgiveness of our sins. What comfort this gives to to you and me. What a precious word this is that you and I have. Says who? Who is it that speaks to us in these places? Who speaks to you through the word? Why do you hold on to it? Why do you value it? Why do you treasure this word? Why is this a defining characteristic for you and me as Christians? We are people of the book. We want to live our lives according to it. We want to always cling to what God has said, and especially these these precious words about our forgiveness and salvation. We, dear friends, as we observe Reformation Day, we continue to stand still here and now as Luther did on Scripture alone. In Scripture, we find what God himself says. Says who? By whose authority are we doing these things? The authority of God. It is his plain, clear, glorious, wonderful, comforting, precious word that speaks to you and me still today. All glory be to him who speaks to us in his clear word. Amen.